right. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks so much for joining. And uh, yeah, returning to this, uh, this experiment once again. Um, so uh, this is episode like number nine, which is crazy. And uh, I hope you're not sick of me yet. But uh, so tonight I'm talking with Garrett Lajoie. Uh, Garrett is a Hamilton-based producer, singer-songwriter, guitarist, music educator, and a Mohawk College music grad. Um, so you can find Garrett on Instagram as Gar Lajoie on, and on Facebook as Garrett Lajoie. And uh, that's kind of all I could find from you, Garrett, um, <laughs> um, in regards that's to your basics, socials. Yeah. yeah, that's the basics. Okay, perfect. Um, is there anything else you want me to plug or... No, Instagram is my go-to right now. You know, I can't even handle doing more than one social media. I don't even go on the Facebook very often anymore. But yeah, Instagram for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, stupid, uh, Spotify as uh, Garrett Lajoie, obviously. Yes. Uh, that as well. So um, yeah, you're you're a man of many hats. And uh, I'm, I'm very excited for this conversation. So this is going to be mainly about um, Garrett working behind the scenes as a, you know, music industry professional. And, uh, you know, really, you know, not only is he a singer songwriter himself and an independent musician, but he's also, you know, you know, producer, uh, you know, songwriter, everything. Um, so actually, uh, just to start everything off, just to kind of introduce you and who you are, um, in 2019, you dropped your first, uh, EP morning people. Um, how would you describe your sound and style? Oh man. Morning people is actually my third attempt at releasing an EP. And, uh, mm-hmm. you can find the second one on Bandcamp. We should plug the Bandcamp too. It's garrettlejoie.bandcamp.com because we're always trying to support us, our local musicians and artists who get paid a lot better through Bandcamp. Um, but, uh, anyway, I'll save my Spotify rant for another day, but, <laughs> um, for sure. no morning people. Um, oh man, it's like folky, poppy, rocky, you know, a lot of my influences are whatever my mom listened to, which was like Phil Collins and Elton John, all the mom stuff. And uh, <laughs> so I, I'm very, you know, center of the road, like contemporary pop, adult contemporary. And I'm okay with that. Like I've just embraced that. So um, there's some like Mumford and Sons flavors on there. There's some, a little bit of like the Killers flavors on there. Um, a little bit of like... Uh, a little bit of Pearl Jam, that kind of stuff. A lot of Bon Jovi. I know Bon Jovi gets a lot of flack, but I will stand by Bon Jovi. And uh, yeah, anyway, you can find it on Spotify. And it's uh, I released that a couple of years ago now, like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was just listening to it again yesterday. And you know, it sounds pretty good. So check it out. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Yeah, it's crazy. That's already been like two years. Um, I remember that uh, that release party that goes yesterday. That's That's absolutely nuts. Were you at the show? Um, I didn't end up making it, but I uh, I did write an article about the party itself. So, oh yes, you were part of my promo yeah. strategy. No, that was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, anytime. Yeah, of course. Um, so um, I guess you already kind of mentioned your biggest uh, musical influences. Um, I guess like uh, growing up to now, um, how has that changed over time? I think um. I don't know. As a kid, it was all squeaky clean, like Disney Channel stuff. And like I said, mm-hmm. like Bon Jovi and um, oh, man, what else did I listen to? It was like eventually I got into like, you know, as a teen, it was like the Foo Fighters and Paramore and Fall Out Boy. Uh, Mariana's Trench actually is one of my favorite bands of all time. And mm-hmm. oh, man, like the the four part harmonies and the and the big guitars and the hooks and the just like the energy and the vocals, like Josh Ramsey's high end is ridiculous, like his vocal range. So I don't know. I always want my stuff to be really hooky because like, you know, everything I listen to, it has that sort of, you know, that those nice melodies in the middle. That's kind of a focus. I'm really a melody guy, but um, no. And then I got into dance music and, and hip hop. And so in my production, you hear a lot of that and I don't shy away from that anymore. Um, I studied jazz at, at school, like, like most of us did. And, and I, you know, I, I respect that and I really enjoy listening to live jazz, but that just doesn't come out in my, my writing. So it's, uh, no, I'm a, I'm a, a pop tart as they would say, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. Um, what would you say were the main themes on that EP? Morning people. I started writing that oh man, like two or three years prior to the release. And I think the most recent 
song from that record was written, I think, probably a year before. There was nothing from like the same year. I was sitting on those songs for so long because I think as a writer, you just need to write as much as you possibly can and uh, and sit on that stuff for a while and see what still resonates with you. So um, that, yeah, there's, I mean, a lot of my songs come back to like, you know, feelings of like self-growth and just like sort of identifying how I react to situations, how different people affect me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm such a people person. Like I, I, I really get all my energy from other people and I try to put it back into other people. So it's really all about that. And the title morning people came to me, um, because there's such a, you know, there's such a grind to get up early and eat your veggies <laughs> and drink your your kale smoothies at 5 a.m. and go for a run and, you know, be a hustler. And I was always such a night person and I was always trying to improve myself and, you know, be be more productive and get more done in the day. And I just thought, man, like, you don't have to be a morning person to be like the best version of yourself. That's so ridiculous. Like, I just think everyone should find what works for them. And so I think the theme is just all about like self-growth and just really getting to know yourself and not trying to be um, anybody else. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that note because as a fellow night person, um, the entire idea that we need that to be successful in life or to be productive is that you have to get up at the crack of dawn is like a nightmare. Oh, yeah. And uh, like the whole, oh, man, if we can get philosophical on here, like the whole mm-hmm. world is built around that nine to five, right? And us musicians yep. don't mm-hmm. operate that way or, you know, based on the industry and also like your personal feelings, just some people are night people. It It really feels like you're going against the grain. Like you, you know, sometimes you... Sometimes you work until 10 p.m. So you sleep in the next morning and then, you know, your lunchtime is four in the afternoon. And then people look at you funny like, what are you doing eating lunch at 4 p.m.? You're going to ruin your day. And you're like, man, there there are no rules. <laughs> there are no mm-hmm. rules. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's a social construct. It's not real. Like, yeah. We all have different energy spurts throughout the day. It's a, I totally That's resonate right. with You got to find that time it. of day when you feel the best and the most recharged. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, the evening really does it for me. For sure. Um, when did you discover your passion for music? I think my, I don't think I knew it was a passion. Like it was looking back, like it was always there. Um, but, uh, like at the time I didn't think it was like, uh, I don't know. I thought everyone felt this way about music when I was, uh, when I was nine, my grandfather bought me an acoustic guitar and I have like 30 cousins and I I haven't even met all of them. I don't think. And, uh, (laughs) he tried to get all of them to play and that's a big band. Yeah, if we all played together. Yeah, it would be. I don't know if he like tried to like spread out all the instruments. So he's got a couple bass players, a couple drummers, a couple fiddle players. I don't know if he was strategic wow. about that. But no, no one plays yeah. now except Full for orchestra. a couple of my cousins. So I was really the one that mm. held on to it. And uh so anyway, I started playing and I took lessons and always had a good time and I didn't even like music because my you know, at that age, you're too young to really have any, like, heavy interests. Like, you might not even hear music. Music is not part of your life, necessarily. So, my teacher would ask me um, what I wanted to learn, and I couldn't even name a band that I liked at that age. So, I'd be like, well, maybe we could learn, like, the Flintstones theme song. I heard that on TV the other day. (laughs) (laughs) That's But then, you know, I bought, like, every Guitar Hero game that ever came out, and... Oh man, I still rock Guitar Hero. If I, if I had a man, if I still had a PlayStation, I would I would still be playing Guitar Hero. But no, my mom uh, mentioned to one of her friends one time, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, Garrett's really, really into music, and I was about eleven years old or something. And I just remember overhearing her and going, like, "Am I? I don't know. I just I don't think this is out of the ordinary." But you could probably talk to any of my friends growing up, and they'd be like, "Oh yeah, Garrett never stops talking about music. That's the only thing he cares about." So yeah, it just kind of escalated from there. Yeah, yeah, totally. I actually hear the um the rock band slash Guitar Hero thing so often. Oh yeah, dude, Guitar Hero. Like I I wouldn't even. Oh, I wouldn't know half the bands that I know today if it wasn't for Guitar Hero. And it was a bonding experience because even like non musical people were always down to rock some Guitar Hero, right? Hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Loads of fun. Yeah. Um, what was the first, uh, instrument that you, uh, found, uh, 
a lot of passion for. Um, I think that you play multiple instruments, don't you? Or is it? I, I, is is I think it's not just guitar. I do. It's um, I play mm-hmm. guitar mostly. I did that for a long time. So I picked that up when I was about nine, and then I started on acoustic. And then you know every teenager wants an electric guitar, so I grabbed one of those. And then I think I I took some piano lessons in like a middle school, but. Then I wasn't really into that anymore. I kind of went back to guitar. And then um, in high school, I played uh, drums and percussion. So I have some drum chops. And then eventually when I got really, really into music and I thought I was going to study this and, you know, make a career out of this, then the piano sort of came back to me. So I taught myself piano and then uh, I sort of built on that as I got to Mohawk. Man, at Mohawk, they have... um upright pianos in like every single room every practice room for the music students Mm -hmm. and i got to mohawk and i said oh my god i've never had like a piano i always just had like a an electric keyboard which which didn't even like respond to your fingers it's just like a button it's like playing a computer so just to have something that resonates like physically resonates it vibrates in the room and you can feel it under your fingers oh that was just the most heavenly experience for me to to play a real piano so i went hard on piano for a couple of years and honestly kind of lost the guitar for a while i realized that i have such a a passion for music much more than i have a passion for guitar playing and you and that's why i wear so many hats and as a producer like you need to see the whole vision so you know, mm-hmm. I will grab any instrument that I need as like my my tool to get the emotion, to get the song, you know, to they're all just um, they're all just uh, tools on my tool belt. Right. So, yeah, drums and piano and guitar. And um, man, I never learned any wind instruments in high school. I know everyone learns like the flute for a year. Or everyone gives it a try. Did you play instruments in school at all? I didn't. I actually don't play anything. I'm shocked, Sarah. I know, disappointed and shocked. <laughs> <Yeah>. I know. <laughs> but uh, no, I didn't. I never. I couldn't blow a trumpet if you asked me. So I've got. Uh, I've got the full rock band and about nothing else. So anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh no! I it's it's really um, uh, disappointing on my end <laughs> that I don't play anything. It's uh, honestly I've dropped the ball on that one. I should learn. It's never too um, late. Sarah. I do. I know. I know. Um, you know what, though? My dad was, uh, my dad has a couple of guitars and he was getting rid of one and he gave one to me. So I have a guitar. Oh, that's I awesome. just, uh, I don't touch it. You know, it just hangs out, um, which I, I need to learn. You got to get on to YouTube. Someone yeah, to teach the me. world's your oyster. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's hard to find the time, but I think that's mainly an excuse. You know? Oh, man, this is what adults do. I, I, I was yeah. trying to teach my mother piano for a while because she talked for years about, you know, guys, I think we should get a piano, put it in the living room, and we'll all learn to play it. Well, it'll be a big family band. And <laughs> oh, she, great. And that never happened. But then yeah, like, no. just last year, she bought herself a piano, like a little digital keyboard, and she never told me. And I went, hey, you were, you're always talking about piano. Did you ever get one? And she goes... Oh, Gare, of course I did. I've had one for ages. And I was like, I'm a music teacher. You didn't tell me that you play the (laughs) piano now? And I tried to give her some lessons. And then um, she was teaching herself for a long time, actually. She got like halfway through her her learner's book, like all by herself. And she's, uh, I didn't think she was very musical, but like she has good ears. And uh, so maybe I get a little bit from her and she just never sort of pursued it. But no, adults like... uh, she texted me one day because i knew that she would bail on me i went okay so next week same time right and she'd go well it's tax season i'm gonna be a little busy with that and i went wait a minute we all pay taxes it's tax season that's an amazing excuse i'm gonna use i have not heard from her since on the piano front (laughs) oh definitely not Uh, anyway we'll see someday yeah i love moms uh moms yeah. that try uh yeah i i you know mm. i would love for us to just to be able to play piano together that would be wonderful that would be um see it's actually kind of embarrassing because i am the only one in my immediate family that doesn't play an instrument no way they never signed you up for lessons mm-hmm. no well you know what i played clarinet there we as go a kid. there we go yeah i was like um 10 you know nine or ten uh, just full Squidward mode, you know, <laughs> um, terrible at it too. So, uh, and yeah, I gave that up after like three years, I think, cause I hated it. Yeah. 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 
I think that kind of, you know, traumatized me a little bit, that experience. So I've never gone back to it. Mm, that's right. Yeah, the clarinet's not the mm. coolest instrument that I can think of. No, it's definitely not. Definitely, you know what? It has a bad rep. Yeah, bring the clarinet back. Let's make the clarinet cool. Yeah. You know, Lizzo made the flute yeah. cool. When's the clarinet going to get its time to shine? I know, it deserves it. It's about time. <laughs> um, when did you start thinking about music as more than a hobby? Oh, when I was like 11 years old. Like, I pretty much... Mm. Within, remember, I think I said when I was 11, I, you know, didn't realize I had a passion. By like seventh or eighth grade, I was like certain that I was going to spend my life doing this. Like there was, I don't know, I just didn't, fa I couldn't fathom the idea that like you could dedicate your life to like being an accountant or like studying biology or like any of the normal jobs out there. <laughs> like I, I just, mm -hmm. it baffles my brain. I don't know. All I wanted to do was play the guitar all day, every day. Like that was always my number one. So. Yeah, I think um, I think I knew that for a long, long time. And then I got to high school and I was very into it. I got more into it in high school for sure. And then, um, yeah, I think towards the end of high school, I was like, well, what am I going to do here? I guess I could go to music school. How the heck does that work? And there's, mm -hmm. uh, there's a couple of different avenues. And it was a very stressful time trying to figure out um, how I was going to make that a reality. But, but uh, anyway, I ended up at Mohawk College and their guitar program and um, it's been a great ride. Mm -hmm. Um, how did your family feel about you pursuing music as a, uh, as a full-time gig? It's, it's, um, it's interesting. You know, my dad is, uh, my dad's a welder. So my dad works on, uh, on pipelines actually. Mm -hmm. And, um, so he doesn't have a musical bone in his body. And, uh, yeah, you know, I never heard any flack. Like, you know, I, I think it's b because I was always so strong-willed. Like, I knew this was my number one and there was no backup plan that they just let me roll with it. So, like, they were all for sending me off to school. And um, as soon as I finished school, I said, hey, I've got this job teaching at a music charity in town. And, you know, that's going to pay my bills. And then I'll have time to do, you know, production and to, you know, just be in this great music scene that we have in Hamilton. And they said, all right, well long as you're out of my house, right? <laughs> as, you know, yeah. as long as you're doing something and you're, you know, you've sort of got something started, then yeah, go for it. So mm -hmm. they're, uh, I, th I think they're very proud of me. Yeah. Um, you know, I only heard once from uh, one of my old, I think it was like a, an EA or some teaching, a teacher or like someone else in the classroom who saw that I was, um, I mean, I, I was a pretty bright kid, I think. But, you know, years later, when I was really into music, I told them uh, our paths had crossed and I told them I was studying music and they, they gave me this look of disgust, like I was wasting my life. And I went, oh, man, like that, you know, I, I think people are usually, um, at least on the surface level, they're usually pretty happy for people who sort of try to follow their passions and their dreams. I don't know if that changes as you get older, like if I'm like a 50-year-old schmuck who just like teaches guitar i don't know if that's still cool but it's pretty cool so far mm -hmm. i mean we are pretty disgusting to be frank yeah yeah us night people <laughs> <laughs> so gross night people music industry people yeah. disgusting shady shady yeah. bunch <laughs> uh-huh um so uh, so you mentioned that you attended mohawk for music um how was your time there oh it was amazing it was incredible mm -hmm. i mean i have mohawk to thank for everything like it's the reason that i'm I live in Hamilton still and I have all these connections and all these, um, oh man, all these great artists and, and like, like Mohawk was really a way into the scene for me because I'm from a little city called Sarnia, Ontario, which is just a couple hours down the highway. And there is no music scene there. There's like country cover bands and classic rock cover bands. And that's pretty much it. I've pretty much covered the whole scene. <laughs> And I couldn't name you one venue or one bar that you could play at. I don't know if there. Well, maybe there's a couple. Patty Flaherty's. Shout out Patty Flaherty's. Um, but nah, Mohawk was Mohawk was great. Like the professors were so accommodating, and I looked at so many different schools, and I, it was very overwhelming because there's a, a you know a classical stream. If you you know take your classical piano lessons all your life, and then you just you know sort of go from there. Um, and there's, you know, heavier jazz streams at some other schools like U of T and, and Humber. And, you know, jazz was never really my thing either. And, uh, you know, I didn't feel like I had the skill to get in. I felt really in over my head. But Mohawk is a really accommodating um, 
really flexible, um, accessible path for musicians who are interested in sort of dipping their toes in the water. Um, if you have a passion for whatever your instrument might be or your major, um, they will really find a way to, to guide you through it because they, they kind of touch on everything. You get your basics, you get your your ear training, you learn to sing a little bit, they throw everybody in the choir, um, you get lessons, you perform on a big, nice stage like every every semester. It's, uh, I mean, I felt like I was really thriving there. I, I'm, I'm really happy that, that, I, that I went there and it gave me the confidence to, to stay in Hamilton and to continue to surround myself with this scene that's here. Mm-hmm. What do you feel are the, uh, the best lessons that you took away from that program? Oh, wow. Um, I think, uh, oh, dude, I learned so much there. It's really hard to, to even reflect mm-hmm. on it because it was, I, I, just, I was just a kid when I got there. Like I knew nothing and I just discovered a whole new world out there um, that I'm still trying to wrap my head around. Like it's still all so exciting to me. Um, I mean, really, uh, it's all about your character, right? Like you could be the best player in the world. And if you're not reliable and easy to work with and, you know, a, a good person who just, just brings good energy and, and works hard, like that, that's all that matters. I think, I think that's just, that's just a good life lesson. So I'm glad I figured that one out. Yeah. It's really all just, you gotta be a nice person, man. Otherwise who cares if you're the best guitar player in the world? Um, when did you uh, find an interest for um, audio editing and production? Um, let me take you way back, Sarah. Um, yeah, go <laughs> in, ahead. In high school, I don't think this is in the bio I sent you. In high okay. school, <laughs> I was uh, I did some DJing um, because my cousin Ooh. is a DJ. Shout out DJ Beatzilla. Um, mm. He's he's great, really really great DJ. Um, and. Uh, you know, we didn't talk growing up like at all. Um, he's a few years older than me, which when you're a kid is like a big deal. But as you get mm-hmm. over older, it's not such a big deal. Um, so he he got into DJing and was really good at it pretty quickly. And so we kind of bonded over that because, you know, technology and 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 music and, you know, modern dance music like that was all really exciting to me at the time. So. I sort of, he sort of took me under his wing and I got a little DJ controller, which is like the size of your laptop. (laughs) Like it's barely an instrument, but it's something, right? And I was so stoked Mm -hmm. about that. And I did that for a while. It never really left my bedroom, but it really got me interested in, in, uh, in modern uh, dance music and pop music. And then, um... He asked me one day after a couple of years, because he had gotten so good at DJing, it was just like second nature to him. Um, you know, I think he kind of got bored. And then he said, oh, so have you ever uh, like, like produced your own music? And I went, oh, no, no, no. I have no, like, no, I don't do that. I don't even know how I would do that. And I, I had never really written a song before. And uh, and then he showed me around Ableton Live, which is the program that I, I still use today. And um, he showed me how you could... Um, program drum you could program uh drum beats into it uh, really easily um you could find loops and samples and make you know great music out of it pretty quickly um if you had some piano skills and a little you know keyboard controller then you could actually write some keyboard parts but you could get you know a million sounds very easily and uh so yeah we started making these little like electronic songs and they were crap like they were they were just awful. I think I still have some of them, but that was kind of my first um, steps into like producing music. Actually, no, let me take you back further because when I was like, oh man, when I was like eight or nine years old, there was this program called Jam Glue and you can probably scour the internet and find the archives of what Jam Glue was. Um, it was a website where you could go and... Uh, it was like an audio editor, a DAW, as we would call it, a digital audio workstation um, in your browser, and you could just combine audio, basically. It was like Audacity, if you've ever used Audacity, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which, if anyone's used Audacity, it's not it's not very functional. I mean, it does the basics, but it's not really for musicians. Yeah. It's more just a bare-bones recorder of audio. Um, so that's what this website was, and but you could search their um, their library for music and beats and sound effects and sort of combine them, not in any way that's musical. Like there was no 
no grid. There's no like keeping time. Like nothing is synced to like the right key or the right anything. Like you were just dragging stuff around and like seeing what happens. And I, I would make these remixes where I would like combine, I would literally grab like, uh, uh, like a song by The Fray and then like go into the library and type in beats and then like drag the beat on top and like <laughs> they sounded awful but like I was all I was always doing that so I guess that's kind of where it it started so yeah I've, I've been I've been doing this for a while and then in high school I recorded uh, an EP on uh, using Logic Pro which I, I still use today and I did that all on like an iPad and I recorded my guitar. You, you just, there's like a little cable you can buy where you can plug your guitar right into your iPad and, um, you know, use like fake drums, drum recordings. And so, yeah, it kind of, it started in the, the DJ days. And now I've just, I think um, in my time at Mohawk, when I was studying jazz, I felt like that was sort of frowned upon to, to play that kind of music and to, you know, sort of sit at the computer and, and make something that's very synthesized and, you know, it, the skills that you develop aren't really the same as the ones you develop when you're practicing uh, an instrument. It's not really the same. Um, there's a there's a mastery in both of those worlds, but they're kind of different. So I guess uh, I, I kind of avoided that that side that I was interested in because I felt like I was wasting my time or my teachers wouldn't approve. But then as soon as I got out of Mohawk, I was like, oh, this is what I like to do. I can just do this all the time. And so I did. And that's kind of led me to, you know, the work that I do now. Mm-hmm. I can't stop thinking about that fray beat. That sounds fantastic. Oh, the the remix of the fray. The, yeah, the the fray beat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Oh I will d- for you, Sarah. I will dig up my oldest worst remix. I don't know if I have any of them, but I'll I'll find something. There was um, holy shit to it. Did you know that there is a cover of "Heartless" by Kanye West, recorded by the fray? No, it's weird. Check it out. <laughs> but I oh, think that God. was involved somehow. <laughs> I can't imagine. Wow. I definitely have to Google that now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whatever happened to that band? I don't know. I don't know. Um, ho- hopefully, hopefully they're doing well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, oh, my God. Thank you for that tidbit. I'm going to Google that for sure. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, do you remember the first um, like professional um, production project that you worked on? Um. You know, I mean, in high school, when I was doing the DJ stuff, we used to release our stuff on SoundCloud and whatnot. And so I guess it was technically out there. But um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I released my my first EP in high school. So I recorded all the parts. I actually sang on the record. And that was kind of my first time ever recording my own voice. I didn't write any of the music. It was just covers. But I was at least learning how to, like, you know, record instruments and kind of put them on top of each other. So that was kind of the first thing. And that EP was on SoundCloud. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know if it's out there still, but it's just my name. I think there's some covers out there somewhere. That was kind of the first one. I think the biggest thing that um, I felt confident in was um, in my time at Mohawk, we had a collaborative collaborative project um, where we had to write a soundtrack uh to a student film uh, and yeah. uh me and my my good friend andrew we wrote um like a score underneath this uh actually this very serious documentary about mental health that was like a 10 minute documentary and it was really really well done um mm. by my friend duncan um who i still mm-hmm. keep in touch with sometimes and uh anyway we wrote the whole score like with piano and you know, uh, you know, violins and marimbas and the whole, we did the whole sort of nine yards as far as like what a movie score, a traditional movie score might sound like. And we were really proud of that. That that's took us a few weeks. So that's kind of the first piece that I was, I was really happy with. So that was in my time at Mohawk. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Was that with the TV program? It was. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I'm so mad because, um, I don't know what year you graduated specifically, but um, our journalism program, um, every year before us, we were supposed to do that same project with you guys um, because we also had a documentary class. Um, but the year that uh, we had our documentary class, me and my uh, my fellow students, um, that it was cut. So we basically, um, you guys had nothing to do with the project, which makes me so mad because that's so cool. Man, it was like the coolest project ever. We had a blast. I mean, we we got a we picked a good partner. I think we I think we just got mm-hmm. lucky. But no, mm-hmm. I mean those collaborations are 
are like one of the reasons you go to school, right? To sort of step out of your comfort zone. And, you know, that's the most, one of the most real world projects that we did. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, um, so why pursue um, the production side of the industry besides just focusing on being a singer-songwriter? Um, I think it was a lot of experimentation and trying to find myself. And I think I'm still trying to find myself. But um, I found that um, there was certainly a demand for someone who wants to sit down and do the dirty work of turning a song idea into a full-fledged, you know, professional recording. Because, um, you know, there's a lot of great players out there, guitarists, drummers, people who are really good at their instrument. And I was never one of those people, <laughs> I'll be honest. Like, I was <laughs> not wanting to sit in that practice room with my instrument for four hours or six hours. And, you know, there are people who love that. I never liked that very much. So, um, like I said, I like music a lot more than I, and I like songs. I like melodies a lot more than I like playing the guitar. So when I found that I didn't have the guitar chops, um, I did find a lot of talented people around me who were writing great music and had great ideas and they didn't know how to release it. They didn't know how to flesh out their ideas. They didn't know what what to do with their songs after these ideas and i said well wait a minute i would love to sit down and flesh out all these extra instruments and add percussion and and do harmonies and stack vocals and all this all this stuff that um you know uh, is maybe a little unexpected like if your focus is just to you know work on your instrument but i was so happy to explore the rest of it so I think there was sort of a need for it in the community. And I think there still is for, pe for people who want to do the dirty work of being a producer and, you know, um, find the whole vision and to flesh it out. Take it from that first note in your, you know, in your notepad into something that's, that's finished and, and sounds, you know, something, something that you're happy with, something professional. Mm -hmm. Oh, 100%. And, you know, we all have a role to play within the industry. And that's how it keeps going, right? Yeah. We can't all be, you know, independent songwriters, because then, you know, who's gonna help produce the shit? Who's gonna do everything else? Like, you know, we all play a role. You so. got to have a team, right? And I, yeah. I, I did the songwriter thing for a while. And I, and I still love to write. I mean, I will, I will co write with anybody. Give me a call. I'm, I'm open for your co writes. But, uh, you know, I never wanted to be in the spotlight. Like I, as much as I loved music, I never had the vision of like being on stage and, and, you know, g getting all this attention or, or being famous or anything like that. Like I never had these big like rock star dreams. I didn't play in many bands really. I always loved to jam and I loved the music, but I don't think there were those big rock star aspirations for me. So, um, yeah, I just realized being behind the scenes and, um, Oh man, I'm just so lucky to be in the industry and to be surrounded by it and to support people who do have that focused dream and to still be right there, like right next to them, holding their hand and helping them, you know, achieve that artistic vision. So yeah, like I have no desire to be in the spotlight and to do that, like to, to be on the, oh man, I hate shooting album covers. Like I, you can look up the morning people cover and like, it looks fine, but mm -hmm. like, I don't want to do photo shoots and I don't want to have to think about what my music video is going to look like. I'm just here for the music, like strictly the music. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, we do a great job and I know that everyone that works with you really appreciates it. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, anytime. Um, so do you find that your, your songwriting for, you know, other musicians and also producing, do you find they kind of go hand in hand? Do you find they're usually doing kind of both jobs at once? Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people usually come to me with a song that's, you know, near finished or maybe they think it's already finished. And then the first thing I do before I grab my computer and start, you know, throwing a beat together or, or you know, imagining what the production looks like. He's like, oh, do we have a great song here? Because if we don't, then we need to take a big step back and just start with that. Because um, what's the phrase? You can't polish a turd. Like, <laughs> you got to start with a wonderful <laughs> song that's had 
um yeah like the the love and time and care put into it so yeah like i always encourage anyone who presents me with a song to go okay great so have you done a second draft of this song yet because if not then you are not finished (laughs) so um and i hope that doesn't drive people crazy like (laughs) i my interest is always just to enhance the idea that you already have i just want every note and every every word to be perfect right so yeah they certainly go hand in hand and as a producer like you know half of your job is to write parts you got to write drums you got to find fills you got to find sounds you got to find um you know counter melodies and chords and maybe you change a couple chords maybe you add a, a solo there's all kinds of stuff you can do and yeah they're very much the same world i think and um you know i was never like a lyric uh genius like that's still not my specialty uh, but yeah, as far as like the writing stuff goes, yeah, production and writing are very similar. Mm-hmm. What does your setup look like? I'm guessing you have a sort of like makeshift home studio. Yeah, I'm here right now. Um, th- yeah. it's, uh, it's little, like <laughs> we just got an apartment uh, in Hamilton, uh, a few months ago, I guess more than six months Congrats. ago now. And we had to, thank you. It was, oh, it's a hell of a time out here, Sarah, trying to find an apartment in Hamilton, Ontario. <laughs> I, I am trying to move back for September. Um, so pray for me. I am praying. Um, get in as fast you. as you can because the prices just go up by the minute, I think. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah, or marry rich. That's my next suggestion. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'll start looking now. <laughs> um, where am I? I mean, I'm in the studio. Yeah, I've got some like soundproofing. Mm-hmm. So I've got that, you know, that triangle like acoustic foam up on the walls. And then, but it's just like a little tiny, like eight by 10 room or not even, but man, it's all on my laptop. Like you can do everything on a laptop these days, which is crazy. So I bought like the best windows laptop that I could find basically. And I've got, um, yeah, just some speakers that I really trust and some headphones that I really trust and a couple microphones and and then I've got my instruments. I've got a, a piano and a few guitars and shakers and tambourines and whatnot. But um, yeah, you know, it's modest, but you really don't need much more than this. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever work in like a professional studio? Sometimes I am ever mm-hmm. so grateful to be called into uh, into someone else's session. Uh, we were just at the ARC, uh, ARC Recording Studios. Have you been out there? Not the Ark, no. It's out in the middle of nowhere. It's out in, uh, I think it's in Hannon, technically, if you know where that is. It's like Stony Creek. Oh, okay. I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's way, way out on like the southeast end of town. Uh, Mm -hmm. Oh, it's beautiful. Like at this place, they, there was like a shed in the back. Uh, It's like a pretty big lot, like out in the country. And there was like a shed that they were going to turn into a studio. And uh, the shed was like not worth salvaging. So they said, okay, we'll just start from scratch excuse me and uh we'll just build a studio and it's gorgeous so yeah we were just in there a couple weeks ago working on the new life in the tribe single oh i'm so excited oh aisha brings the energy she oh i know she does (laughs) i was like jumping around in the studio we uh we (laughs) i can't give anything away but we have some we have some fire coming in i don't know when but sometime this year to be in that room (laughs) <laughs> it was uh oh it was a good time i just awesome mm-hmm. she she brings such good ideas like i like to leave space in my productions so that she can work her vocal magic because like the, the, she's like the fourth member of destiny's child like her <laughs> her harmonies are crazy like she comes in with like 10 ideas that i would have never thought of and i just let her work her magic wow so looking forward to that um Speaking of uh, speaking of Aisha, um, what traits in a musician make you uh, drawn to them or make you want to work with them? What do you look for? Oh, um, I like someone who listens to a lot of music. That seems so obvious, but like <laughs> you need to you need to um, absorb other pieces of music in order to figure out what your sound is. Like your sound isn't going to come out of nowhere. It's going to um it's all based on whatever you absorb right and then it comes back out in your writing and in your playing so i look for someone who like really loves music because then they'll have ideas the what i love to do is i will steal from multiple sources so i'll go okay we need the 808 from that kanye west song and then we need like the claps from that like 
uh, Kelly Clarkson song, and then we need like the big harmonies from that like Shania Twain song. I don't know. And then you just put them all together, and uh, it sounds more cohesive than I'm making it sound, Sarah. But like, <laughs> if you listen to a lot of music, then you can pull ideas from everywhere, and then um, you know, it's not really stealing if you take like one little tidbit from everyone, right? So mm-hmm. I look for someone who yeah has lots of musical influences and is passionate and. Uh, like someone who's very hands-on, who knows what they want to hear. Like, um, I really respect when an artist lets me kind of do my thing and, and take the song where I think it, it could go. Because if you do a good job with it, then they'll usually be happy. Um, but uh, yeah, no, just someone who's really passionate and who, who, who loves music and, and uh, has lots of musical ideas. That's what I like to see. Do you have a specific genre do you prefer to work with? Or maybe a better question, do you have any genres that you would not work with? Oh, um, like I really couldn't do a jazz recording any justice. I've Mm. never listened to a reggae song in my life, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just getting into country. How do you feel about country music, Sarah? Uh, Country is my my weak spot. I I don't know much that I love. yeah, it's very barren for me. Yeah. Um, like, extremely barren. <laughs> um, like, the first person I could think of is, like, Overall Pack. Like, that's the first person I think of. I don't even know, you know who that is. What did you say? What was he born? O- Orville Pack. Oh, yes, yes. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he's Canadian. Oh, okay. Um, you know, he's, he's not crazy country. I would say it's, like a bit more of an aesthetic than an actual sound. Um, but, you know, he's he's done songs with, like, Shania Twain and stuff. Um, he's getting pretty big. Um, he's fantastic. Um, but again, what was he born, like, five years ago? Like, he's <laughs> he's, he's, he's a fucking child. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's like, I, I, I don't know much about it at all, honestly. Yeah, so I, I couldn't do... Well, I could I could do some country pop stuff, but no, I'm I love like this center of the road, like modern pop. Like I'm trying to write music that that will get right on top 40 radio. Like if I can if I can just start there and then, you know, we can experiment after that. But I'm I feel like I'm just on the edge of getting these productions that sound like, you know, ready for like Virgin Radio. Like if I can mm-hmm. if my stuff stands up to that, I will be a happy man. Actually, I played I played a song for my dad. I played uh, Bad For Me, which is a production I did for Juliana Jones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, I played it to him in the car. And he does not like music at all, really. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he doesn't dislike music, but I don't know. He doesn't really think too hard about it. Like music to him is like, I don't know, like comic books to me. Like I got mm-hmm. nothing. This this means nothing yeah. to me. It's like background noise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's I like find a, those people so fascinating. It's a party trick, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyway, I played him this song and it was like done. And the production, like we were really happy with how it came out. We got a great mix and master on it. And it's just your, you know, your standard modern pop production um, with, I mean, Jules is a great vocalist, as you know. Mm-hmm. And my dad said, the first thing he said was well i mean she can really sing and i went well yeah we know that and then he said well yeah i mean it sounds like anything else you'd hear on the radio and i was like yes oh my god (laughs) that's all i need to hear like you're like that's what i wanted he had nothing else to say and that is fine that's all i needed to hear (laughs) oh that's beautiful i would have loved if he was like that was trash (laughs) that sucks (laughs) yeah Oh, they always ask me. produced this? I mean, what a mess. They always ask me, like, so what did you do? And I'm like, okay, so there's the vocal, right? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so I did not sing that. If you can't tell, I'm not a a ginger Mm -hmm. female vocalist with a huge powerhouse Mm -hmm. voice. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, like, everything else was, like, mostly me. Like, this is my... My job is to, like, figure out the rest of it. Like, how does... You can come to me with a great song and then I have to figure out, are we in the right key? Do we have the right tempo? Do we have the right chords? Do we have the right sounds, the right flavors? Is our song too long? Is it too short? Do we need more words, less words? Like all those little tiny decisions. That's that's my bread and butter. I love to dive into that stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, it's hard for people to understand that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel as though like working behind the scenes um, has forced you to grow as an artist or has like improved your solo work? 
it's interesting because when I um, work with other people, I get to explore so many genres. Like, um, like I've done some, you know, modern hip hop stuff. I've done some, you know, center of the road pop stuff. Um, oh man, I'm doing some really cool shit with Aisha that I can't tell you about. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Don't tease me like that. Oh Come no. Um, anyway, but when I write in these different styles, it seems to come back over into my, you know, my singer songwritery stuff. And then I find mm-hmm. myself writing, you know, I want to write with more interesting, uh, you know, more interesting sounds. I want to put like hip hop drums on my songs, which doesn't make any sense. But I just, it forces me to kind of like out of my comfort zone. And then mm-hmm. I find like Garrett as like the brand, like the singer songwriter um, has to really be careful to like, you know, I don't know, stay in my lane. It's very interesting. It's very cool to work in multiple genres. I'll say that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, what would you say are some of the biggest like hurdles of being a producer? It's, um, very time consuming and Mm -hmm. like I can, you know, you can, I I, I try to get my songs done as fast as I can. Otherwise I lose the love for them. Like uh, Sarah, you know, like if you've ever put your heart and soul into a creative project that just drags on too long. Oh yeah, and you're I do. just you're just in the I call it the hole or the pits. Like ah <laughs> yes, you're in the hole. Don't worry, we'll dig like you the out pit. of there someday. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you just you just don't care. The vision is gone. You're like I've heard this song one thousand times, and if I never hear it again, I don't care. And the love is just gone, right? So I try to get my stuff done as quickly as I can, but it's um. It's really frustrating. You can get up in the morning and and you just hate your song. You're like, ah, well, you know, it doesn't matter because yeah. everything's trash and I'm really sick of this song. And then the next day you can wake up and go, oh, you know what, Garrett? You really crushed this. This sounds great today. And like, it's it's just, um, it's it's very silly, but I think all creative types can relate to that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a lot of hours and a lot of hours sitting in front of the computer, honestly. Like it's it's not I find it's not very collaborative. Like you kind of have to give me, you know, eight hours to fiddle with things and then let me send it back to you and show you how it sounds because there's nothing fun about you sitting next to me in my studio and watching me scroll through 40 kick drums until i find my favorite kick drum like the singer probably doesn't care what kick drum we use but that's my job is to figure it out oh i can relate to that i do nothing but sit down from my computer all day so uh i definitely understand what you're saying certainly what's Um, the most um what's the most like boring part of uh of your line of work (laughs) um the most boring part hmm Oh, you know what? Oh, you know what kills me every time is um, I I'm I'm struggling to find the uh, the word for it, but um, translating um, audio, translating um, oh no interviews. So mean, if oh if you mean I, like uh, um like importing it and exporting it? Um, no, not even that. So if I um I've been conducting all of my interviews um via email recently, what with COVID. Mm-hmm. Um but before COVID, I would like to sit in front of someone and talk to them because you get the most like intimate answers and you can kind of roll off of, you know, other things they say and you just get a better interview that yeah. way. Um and if I was interviewing in person, I would record it through my phone. And um having like like I mean at the at the uh um, the shortest, like 20 minute interviews, but 20 minutes to like an hour long audio interviews and having to, um, uh, oh, transcribe. That's transcribe. The to just oh, transcribe. That yep. shit sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's the absolute worst. I, and the thing is, is that like you can hand it off to some people to transcribe it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't want to spend the money. But then also, like, if they mess up a word or whatever, I might not know what they said. You know, like I might not, I, I just don't trust it too well. That's true. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I just do it myself. But I have like, I have procrastinated so hard on interviews and on articles before just because I don't want to pr- transcribe something. And it's like thousands of words, right? Just for like a few minute mm-hmm. interview, right? I'm sure they're so mm-hmm. long. Yeah. C- yeah. Can I, long. can I change your life real quick, Sarah? Okay. Because I um I was doing a school project. I'm actually taking some university credits as well, which is not very musical or very exciting. But we had to mm-hmm. do a bunch of interviews and we did them all over Zoom. And they were like 15, 20 minute interviews. And we did mm-hmm. like 20 of them just to get, you know, a bare minimum threshold of, of, of data. 
Um, yeah. And so these interviews were like like 5,000 words each. Like they were so long. There's a website called Sonics, S-O-N-I-X, which is a, a, a transcription software. And okay. it, it's all like automatic. Like it, 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 it uh, transcribes it in like 15 minutes, but it syncs it up to the audio. So all you have to do is listen back to the audio and then it like flashes all the words in front of you. Like everything is lined up perfectly. So if it gets the word wrong, you can just listen to the recording and just like fix it real quick. Wow. It's life changing. Wow. You know what? I am going to write that down right now. It's it's great. I, we did it with Zoom calls and uh, mm-hmm. like it's so intelligent. You know when you know when you're talking to Siri and Siri will like think you said one thing, but then it'll like correct itself. Like, oh, that's not mm-hmm. a sentence. Hold on, let me make this into a sentence. Like, it's yeah. really really smart. It's context aware. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for that. That is life changing. You're welcome. Yeah, you can send me a check in the mail. Yeah. Okay. I will. <laughs> I will. I'll look up your rates. I'll DM you, and uh, yeah, we'll figure it out. emails Um, only please (laughs) no okay 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 for sure um so uh you're also a a music teacher um how long have you been teaching and uh what instruments exactly do you teach oh i teach uh guitar piano theory songwriting um Mm -hmm. i've been doing that since i was like 16 um yeah that was kind of my first like you know real world gig uh yeah the music school that i learned from as a kid uh, for years and years and years, um, eventually hired me on to do some teaching. So, um, yeah, and I've just kind of never stopped. I work with um, the Hamilton Music Collective now, which is a local nonprofit that provides mm-hmm. free instruments to kids in schools. And uh, I spend a lot of my time uh, teaching little second graders how to play the ukulele, and it is a blast. Oh, that's so <laughs> they're sweet. so cute! Oh man, yeah. they they start on the ukulele because their hands are too small to play the guitar. And then Aww. when they graduate to the guitar, the guitar is like as tall as them. It's adorable. <laughs> um, do you prefer teaching kids or have you also uh, taught adults in the past? I like both. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's great when uh, it's great when they're in like middle school and like uh, they're just on the cusp of adulthood where like mm-hmm. they can form full sentences. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's so mm-hmm. silly, but, you, t- you know, you take that for granted until you have a child in front of you. Um, but also they're old enough to be passionate and to actually like give a shit. Yeah, no, by the time they get to be like age 12, that's a really exciting age because uh, they have mm-hmm. lots of questions and they, they they know what they like and what they don't like. So yeah, that's probably my favorite age. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what would you say you've uh, taken away from being a teacher? What have you learned? Um, I think like certainly patience. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, these things don't happen overnight, right? And going back to the the discussion of adults trying to learn instruments, like people get frustrated. Like adults aren't yeah. used to being bad at things. I don't know if you've you've ever tried to learn like a, a brand new skill as an adult, but like, oh, mm-hmm. you have like you have to you have to walk before you can run. Like like mm-hmm. you you have to be bad at everything because that's your stepping stone to to being good at something, right? But adults really yeah. don't like sitting down with an instrument and being bad at it for the first like few weeks or months. Um, that's why I've avoided it. That's right, that's right. Uh, you yeah. have to accept that you're gonna be bad. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, watching adults try to learn and like being really shit for the first while, you have to find ways to encourage them and to not try to rush them to a higher level if they're just not ready yet. Um, but I think also like similar to that, just like not talking down to anybody and, um, just sort of treating everybody as, as a a human and, and as an adult, even if, you know, they have, they're a little third grader, like they, they hear everything you say and they will remember everything you say. You just got to treat everybody, um, you know, the way that you would want to be treated. Uh, so you mentioned, you know, a couple seconds ago that you work, uh, behind the scenes, um, at the Hamilton Advisory Council. Uh, you're getting involved with projects like Music Mondays and last year's Entrepreneurship Conference. Um, when did you get involved with them and, uh, why did you decide to, uh, get more involved with the community-oriented side of this industry? Yeah, that's been, um, that's been really cool. Um, and it's really cool that, you know, the music advisory team in Hamilton actually exists. Um, it's an, an advisory team is like the, the absolute bottom tier of like city council. So there's not like councilor mm-hmm. members uh, on the, the, the team, 
but right. it's great that the city of Hamilton has like acknowledged that there's so many musicians here who um, have needs and wants that need to be heard. Um, so yeah, no, it's been great working with them. Uh, I've been a volunteer with them for a couple of years and um, we organized the entrepreneurship conference for, you know, mostly for like gigging musicians and working musicians who want to educate themselves more on how to market themselves and more just about, about the the tools that they need to be a, a working musician in this city. So um, yeah, we're planning the next one um, for this year and it's been, uh, it's been great. And, you know, working with some of the some of the top talent in the city. Um, there's representation from Sonic Onion. There's representation from um, several venues and studios in town and from uh, radio stations. So it's a really great blend. And I'm really happy to be uh, sort of in with that crowd. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're also a part of the uh, Hamilton Music Collective. Um, what do you do there? And can you give me a bit of a description of like how you help out? Yeah, that's... um. Um, the Hamilton Music Collective is a local nonprofit or a charity, if you will, um, which is where I do my teaching with uh, with all the ukulele kids. So mm-hmm. um, beautiful, yeah. So I do like I do a lot of teaching and I, I organize um, a lot of their programming. Like I, I I'm part of a program called uh, Ambassadors, which is like a teen band program. Um, so I watch these kids that are in high school. Uh, who can play some electric guitar, but have, you know, not played much on a stage, you know, sort of find themselves and learn to mesh with each other and, and uh, you know, communicate with a band on stage and learn how to have stage presence and to bring dynamics to your music and to, you know, really deliver a performance. So, like, that's one of my favorite things I get to do is to work with kids that age. Like I said, they're so, they're so talented, but they're, they're, um, you know, they're still finding themselves, but they're, they're just old enough to have such a passion for music. And I love to, to see that in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so why did you decide to stay in Hamilton? And what do you think is so special about their uh, music and arts scene? Oh, this is a great question. Hamilton mm-hmm. is such a weird city. <laughs> oh, it oh, is. Yeah. Where are you from, Sarah? Um, I'm from Beamsville. Oh, I know Beamsville. Beamsville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's where I'm from. You know, everyone, everyone's like, oh yeah, I know Beamsville. I've drove through there a couple times. Yeah. You know, to yeah, get some, to somewhere. Lots of wine yeah. there, right, or something like that. Yes. Oh, tons of wineries. Um, tons of wineries. Um, cow farms. Um, that sort of thing. And what yeah. do people in Beamsville think about Hamilton as a whole in like one sentence? Ooh. Hmm. Dirty? Yeah, I was just going to say that. That's awful. Yeah. We should not yeah. be repeating that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's terrible. No, Hamilton is... I had never been here before I went to Mohawk, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I knew nothing about it. I know that my music teacher from Sarnia told me not to go because <laughs> he also said it was, like, dirty, which is terrible. Um, yeah. No, it's... I. There's so much character here. There's This city I is know. nothing like any other city in Ontario. Nope. Like... You can tell you're in Hamilton right away. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I just found the music scene was so alive here. There's so many young, bright uh, uh, people who want to start their own collectives and their own movements and and this and that. And th- th- there's there's so much there's so much happening and so much growth happening. Um, like on a on a large scale, I mean, now there's the condos going up, and that's a whole other conversation. Like it's growing in that mm. way, but there's so many young, inspired people. I, I read a few years ago that millennials were the largest population of Hamilton, and you can really feel it. Um, I think Hamilton's a really special city, man. I mean, as a as a small small town boy, like in Sarnia, we have a mall, we have a movie theater. And that's like it. Like <laughs> there's a couple of bars and so no, it's a city, but um I'm still adjusting to the the hustle and bustle of it all and the traffic and the big high rises and like oh my gosh, there's so many restaurants I can't even name them. Like it, it's all very exciting to me. So you know, I, I made such good connections at Mohawk that it, it felt kind of silly to me to want to leave and to take all this momentum that I've started on and this career that I had started and then to just disappear. That seemed like the most insane choice that I could have made to just like move back to Sarnia and do who knows what, like, this is where things are happening. You got to stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, so not only working as an, 
independent musician, um, but you're also a producer and someone working behind the scenes in the music industry as a whole. You know, again, you're the, the wearer of many hats. Um, how is uh, COVID-19? I hate to bring it up, but um, how is COVID and the restrictions um, affected your work in your industry as someone working behind the scenes? Because, you know, we've heard a bunch about, you know, we know the artists can't play. You know, we know the artists um, can't live stream. We know that there's, you know, a whole bunch of restrictions for them. But how is it been working um, behind the scenes for someone who who uh, lives in that world? It's oh man, I almost forgot we were in a pandemic for a second, Sarah. I don't know why you had to bring <laughs> Some, this up. Um, just a moment of like like ignorant bliss for a moment. Oh, uh, I was at ease for the first time in the last year and a half. No, <laughs> um, you know what? For the live music industry, it's terrible. Like, and I'm I'm sure you've heard this. Um, oh yeah, there's nothing happening everyone's depressed that they can't play um and live music is i mean it's one of the best parts of hamilton you can go hear a band every night of the week if you want to yeah it's it's great um so to take that away is really really cruel and and necessary this is no one's fault obviously um but uh no it's interesting i i've it's actually been a bit of a blessing for me because it's given me like I said, producing, it takes a lot of time. So mm-hmm. it's given me that extra time to like sit down and just flesh out music for days at a time. Like these productions take me, you know, several weeks. So it's given me that time to sort of sit with myself and to um, to put in those hours to get the products that I'm really happy with. And honestly, like online collaborations were already here and they're not going anywhere. Um. We're still going to be sending MP3s back and forth. We still take voice memos. Everything still happens over email. Um, And like I said, having an artist next to me in the room watching while I, you know, pick a kick drum for half an hour is not very exciting. So honestly, like once I get my, um, once I get my, the song in my hands, I do kind of have to be isolated for a couple weeks and, and put it all together. So for me, having that extra time has been great and it's allowed me to really focus on my craft. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I did bad for me in about two weeks over Christmas break because, I mean, sadly, I, I didn't go back to my hometown. I normally make the rounds and see all my childhood friends and see my family and and take a load off. But Instead, I made like a pretty sweet song. So I don't know if that's worth it, but it's uh, for myself, it's actually been a bit of a blessing in disguise. So uh, there have been a bunch of fundraisers um, happening since COVID um, to support, you know, independent musicians and uh, independent venues. Um, there have been fundraisers like, uh, you know, by the uh, Canadian Independent Venue Coalition, who have been, you know, fighting for Canada's uh, indie music economy for a while. Um, and then specifically Hamil- Hamilton had, um, Hamilton Arts Council had the Artist Relief Fund, right? Um, what are some things that you think are local, local government could do or could do better at uh, to help support independent musicians, venues, and then um, music industry uh, supporters? Oh, great question. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's such a tough industry to work in already. Like, um, you know, the money comes sporadically, um at weird times of the day and in weird stretches, weird gigs that, you know, you can have a great contract for six months and then that gig can just disappear. Um, so being a musician is already a, a struggle. And, and this is why I'm so grateful to have, you know, charities like the Hamilton Music Collective who are really focused on keeping their musicians paid. Um, they pay uh, all of their teachers um, union scale based on, I think it's the American Federation of Musicians for Music Teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, so providing stable employment to great musicians is one of their um one of their uh, priorities. And I think it's why they have teachers who have been teaching with them for like 10 years, Sarah, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, pay people a living wage and they will stick around and they will put their heart and soul into what they do. So amen Mm -hmm. to that. And this is why like I will work with them for as long as I can and why I felt so comfortable staying in Hamilton and sort of basing everything I do around them, you know, starting with that job security and then going from there. So 
like I said, I'm always just been been grateful to be in the industry. Um, you know, I'm not at a point where I'm in uh, I'm I'm in the studio producing all day every day and and making a living off of it. Maybe someday I will get there. But um, to have organizations like the Arts Council who really prioritize musicians, and thankfully City Council actually just passed a bill to um, look into setting a policy for uh, all gigs in uh, the city of Hamilton, or I, I think, don't quote me on this, I think it's uh, any sort of gig that is funded by the city of Hamilton, so mm-hmm. it might extend to some festivals, but uh, to pay those musicians a living wage based mm-hmm. on what the uh, the local musicians union has dictated. So I think it's those small wins about just respecting musicians, realizing that they are the lifeblood of the great, great scene that is here in Hamilton, and uh yeah you know we all need money so why don't we start with that pay everyone a living wage let's raise the minimum wage a little bit more please and then we'll go from there Mm-hmm. fantastic um i yeah. agree with you yeah um so i think that's about all the questions i have for you so um yeah thank you so much for chatting with me uh this is fantastic oh, this was fun yeah um, so you guys can find Garrett again on uh, Instagram as a uh, Garlejoie on Facebook as Garrett Lejoie, and uh, you can also find him on Spotify again as a uh, Garrett Lejoie. And um, do you want to plug anything? I'm gonna plug um, my new release uh, that I, I made with uh, Juliana Jones, which is mm-hmm. on Spotify and all the places. It's called "Can't Help It." Um, we actually co-wrote this. Um, I don't always get to co-write with the artists I work with, but we, we actually wrote this together a couple of years ago. And then they took it to another producer and then that didn't happen. And then it kind of landed back in my lap. And then I, I kind of took the time with it and uh, it's finally mm-hmm. out uh, in the world. So, so have a listen and uh, yeah, lots of stuff coming out with uh, life and the tribe as well. So, so stay tuned over there. And also, um, if you want to support a great local charity or a nonprofit, check out uh, the Hamilton Music Collective. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, yeah, we could really use your support over there. There we go. Well, um, yeah, thanks so much for, for chatting. Uh, this is fantastic. Uh, it was a great episode. And um, yeah, um, have a great night, dude. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, see you later.